Sox. White Sox. Go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can put it on the board. Yes. yes. It's a perfect game. Red Echo, Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello and welcome to this edition of Locked On White Sox. I am your host, Chris Tannehill. My co-host, Herb Lawrence, will be with me in just a second. It is episode number 355. Can you believe it? Uh, it's our lunch with Locked On White Sox series as we're kind of spreading things out here in the off season. My ideal vision for you uh, listening to this episode today is hopefully you're you're at work and you you go for a little lunch break. Maybe you take a walk uh, around your office, go find something to eat, and you listen to us. Maybe you're working at home. You throw us on while you're making believe like you're doing some work, fooling everyone on your Zoom call, but you're actually listening to Locked On White Sox, and we thank you so much for doing so. Uh, We've got another special mailbag edition for you today. Uh, Thank you to everyone who checked in yesterday and was listening to the show and enjoyed Herb and I's banter about Luis Roberts' Lamborghini. I enjoyed that episode very much. That's kind of the essence of what we do on this show, just Herb and I uh, just uh, shooting the shit a little bit about the White Sox. So in this episode today, another mailbag, as I said, we have... Uh, A question from across the pond. We've got a very, very suspect off-season plan sent by one of our listeners, and we've got some phone calls for you guys as well. That's all coming up next here on Locked on White Sox. Locked on White Sox is brought to you by Bet Online. They're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKED ON to receive your bonus. Taking a look at the early lines for this Bears Monday Night Football matchup and Pittsburgh against the Stellars. Going down November 8th, Monday night. Right now, the Bears getting six and a half on the road in Pittsburgh. Right now, the over-under is set at 40. So if you're taking an early look at those lines, you've got a great opportunity to move on it now at our friends at Bet Online. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Herb, should we open up the bag? Let's do it. A lot of emails. We're going to try to get to some. There's another email. I love email. I love email. Hawk loves email. Herb loves email. Mm-hmm. The Locked on White Sox listeners, they clearly love email because they've been hooking it up this offseason, making these shows fun for us, giving us shit to talk about for the entire offseason. So if you're a Locked on White Sox podcast fan, how can you get your emails or phone calls read or heard on the show, Herbie? LockedOnSox at gmail.com for your emails or 312-566-8727 for your voice messages. All right, first one coming in from Mike from across the pond. Uh, Hi, Tanny and Herb. Mike here from sunny Scarborough in the north of England. Hello, Governor. Sorry. What was was that? Isn't that supposed to be like the English people's thing? 
Don't they love that when they do it? It's like when we say somebody says Shy Town to us. Yeah. Uh, or San Fran. Deep deep dish pizza, right? Al Capone, yeah. Michael Jordan. Um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's what we sound like when we talk about that. But boy, that is cool having someone checking in from England. Uh, it's his first year following baseball properly, and what a ride. Uh, I chose the White Sox completely at random, and I'm very happy with my choice. Love the team, fans, and everything about the club. Unfortunately, as a long-term fan of a very successful football team, Manchester United, I could see the Sox falling at the first hurdle. They have the team to beat anyone. Unfortunately, they played far too many games with October in mind. You can't go through the main season winning one of two games out of a three- or four-game series, then expect to turn it on at the end. They would turn up one game and show what they could do, then coast through the rest of the series. The best, most successful teams in any sport turn up every game looking for a win. They build a winning mentality, which in turn builds momentum and builds confidence. They find a win in games where it doesn't look possible. The Sox were the opposite. They were far too many. There were far too many games where Sox didn't turn up, and you knew the Sox weren't going to win, even against quote-unquote poor opposition or pitchers with an ERA higher than nine. You could see they had no interest in the game, and I felt this. It felt disrespectful to the fans who had paid to go to the game. I hated the magic number. All the focus was on the Indians losing rather than the Sox winning, and it was even worse when it came to home field advantage, hoping the Astros would lose rather than the Sox going after what was clearly a game-changing advantage. As a new fan, I'd like to ask whether the poor offense was mainly down to calls from the dugout or poor coaching. I acknowledge that I am very lucky to witness White Sox postseason action. Just disappointed to see them go out so poorly after months of on and off baseball with October in mind. Love the podcast and fuck the Astros. That's from Mike from England. Thank you, Mike, for checking in. Uh, we appreciate you. All right, there's mm-hmm. a lot to lot to nosh on there, Herb. Uh, do you agree with anything that Mike was was saying there in his uh, in his lengthy but poignant email? I mean, very much so. The, I think we were talking about how lackluster they're playing coming down the stretch. He makes a great point of you can't just start winning one of three games, which we kind of wanted them to do just to get to the playoffs, get to the playoffs healthy because a lot of guys are going down injured. That's what our mentality was. But he makes a good point. You can't just win one of three games and then decide, okay, let's turn it on now. Let's get this light switch that we've never actually had before and just turn it up and let's hit now. Let's make these games serious. So, that's a hundred percent a great observation right there. Manchester United, though, Manchester United fan and a White Sox fan, do those go together in like Manchester United, the Yankees of over there? Yeah, I think so. I don't know if they've won a lot recently, but I guess that would be like a Yankees comp, right? Like you know, the Yankees like a storied franchise he's like, winning. He's a like, lot. ah, too much winning. I want to lose in the squad to root for. <laughs> but by the way, how about that? My first season rooting for the Sox, and oh, they made the playoffs but didn't win the World Series. So what a what a miserable ex- fan existence you have out there in England. Uh, you should consider being a White Sox fan for the first thirty eight years of your life <laughs> <laughs> and see how you enjoy that. I think that's pretty good, even though you're, you're what you're saying is is definitely valid uh, there. Mike, but yeah, let's consider the misery, uh, the miserable existence that we've been all been living in here talking about the socks. But I think you have the internet out there, clearly, you do, and I think you could see the history there. But, um, you know, one of the we talked about it a lot, and I hope Mike listened to the shows when we talked about the strategy going into the playoffs. I mentioned it a little bit yesterday when we were talking about the Braves, I, you know. There's, there's a lot of nuance here and a lot of things that were going on internally that we could not see. We, they tried to paint us a picture, uh, but one of the big things was making sure Tim Anderson was as healthy as could be heading into the postseason. 
and he performed well in the postseason, but he didn't. Something wasn't quite right. You know, the the, the power never truly came back, and I don't know. He just kind of didn't. He seemed like something was bugging him the entire time. You know, and they really kept him on the IL for a long time, longer than I thought. Like I thought it was just a quick breather here or there, but there was you know extended stretches there where he really didn't play at all. So I don't know. He didn't mention it in his exit interview with the media, but I think maybe he was going through more than what he let on. You know, other guys you look at that weren't performing. Andrew Vaughn, you know, here's a guy who was going through his first major league season and maybe just got a little drained. You know, physically tired, mentally tired. You know, he, he had never played a full season of professional baseball before. You know, not since college in, in two years. So, or at least more than that, I should say. So. That's another guy that was struggling there at the end. And, you know, Luis Robert and Yasmani Grandal were really the only guys that were hitting for you. But I can't blame that on lack of intensity. Like I remember when Theo Epstein made a point of that. I think it was spring training of 2018. Or, you know, it could have been maybe in, in uh, yeah, 18 or 19 when he was talking about the, 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 the killer mentality of not being satisfied with winning the first two of three, going for that sweep. Like, he was very caught up on you – know, you know, following through and finishing a team off when, you, when you're playing them and how that could carry over until October. But, you know, for the case of 2021 White Sox, I just don't know if, if all things were equal there. They had a lot of guys that were banged up coming off injuries. Eloy, one of the guys who we're really hoping would, would turn it around in the postseason, just never really got going, never got hot like I thought he would. So, you know, that's another guy coming off the, the injury. So there, there's a lot of moving parts here and you know I wish I could chalk it up to, to Tony in the front office and lack of intensity but I, I just don't see it you know I, I think they all gained a valuable experience in the postseason and hopefully they can use that going forward but I, I can't look at any guy really in this lineup and be like man this guy didn't didn't bring it every day you know maybe as a whole on the collective maybe uh, but you know ultimately what failed them in the postseason was their starting pitching not going deep enough in the games and the, the bullpen walking people here and there and the offense was you know good at times but then at times really really felt silent but that's just symptomatic to baseball I think but you know uh, I, I can't really be upset at, at any of these guys down the stretch here uh, you know Mike you know maybe he's you know not been a baseball fan his whole life but it is you Gripping the bat tighter in baseball and, and trying harder doesn't always help you win. And I think maybe they'll, they'll learn a, a good balance. Maybe they, they will find that they should have taken their intensity up a notch, but not too much, you know, if that makes any sense. So, you know, I, I have no fault with what the White Sox did and and, and their, their thought process going into into the postseason because what, what do you have here? If you have a, a home field advantage, but – Tim Anderson is, is a non-factor because he re-aggravates an injury. You know what I mean? Like that—that's what mm-hmm. we're—that's what we're looking yeah. at here. You know, so I think they. I would matter then, yeah. Yeah, I think that was their risk calculus there, and I think they—they they took all the information that they had at their fingertips and they tried to make the best decision. So normally, I don't, you know, uh, always cape for management and Coach Tony, but I, I think they did uh, what they felt was best. I would like to hear Rick Hahn react to that and say if he would have done anything differently. And I, and I think he would answer the same. I, I think they had a clear plan in place, uh, but and they followed through. And, you know, they just missed the, the home field advantage by one game. And it turned out, you know, who knows? You know, the, the Sox only won one of their two home games. So and it's such is life. That's how it goes. So maybe home field advantage wouldn't have done them any good anyway. But I still appreciate the thoughts there from Mike in England. That was a, that was a good email, wasn't it, from a guy who hadn't been watching baseball his whole life? That was pretty good stuff. Awesome. Just Perfect right there. Right. And I hope you forgive me for my 
London slash England accent. Oh, we had already forgotten about it, Herbert. You had to go mention it, okay? Uh, <laughs> all right, let's get to our voicemail line. The Locked on White Sox voicemail is, of course, 312-566-8727. That's 312-566-8727. Let's see who we got here checking in from the 203. Hey, guys. This is Joe from Plainfield, New Hampshire. Just checking in with you. Um, I wanted to question a couple of assumptions you guys are making. Now, there's certainly really good reason for expecting the Sox to not spend up for such assets. Uh, but here's the counter-argument. Jerry's old and doesn't have a lot longer to go. So, number one, whatever it costs him isn't going to cost him. It's going to cost whoever owns the team after him. Um, number two, he definitely wants to go out with another World Series champion. Um, and... Number three, it's going to cost significant bucks to hold on to Giolito, to hold on to TA, to get the second baseman slash right fielder slash catcher that we need. So I'm just thinking that Jerry may put the code bar in his wallet and try out a few dollars for the superstars we need. Um, to put ourselves in a much better position to win the series. So just sharing out with you guys. Love to hear what you have to say. Well, thank you, Joe, in Plainfield, New Hampshire, and I, and I hope your robot overlords are treating you kindly here. Um, you know, <laughs> send us another uh, email if you need help. Um, uh, I, I, I thought yeah. it was like war games. <laughs> Want to play a game? Is this a game? Or is it real? <laughs> What's that difference? Um, so, uh, you know, if you couldn't make out what uh, what Joe was saying, and sometimes I don't always screen these beforehand, so my apologies for the audio quality there on Joe's phone. Uh, but uh, Joe's logic was maybe uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, knowing that he's not going to own the team, you know, maybe five years from now-ish, is going to be protective of the investments that he makes uh, in terms of long-term contracts. Um, that That's certainly food for thought there. There's two ways you could look at that, right? You, you know, a guy who's keeping the payroll low, but the value of his franchise high. But I would argue that having uh, assets that make your team more attractive would make your team more valuable in, in the big picture when you look at marketing dollars and, you know, TV ad revenue and stuff like that. I don't know how you feel about that, but, uh, you know, I did have a brief scare when just thinking of the concept that Jerry Reinsdorf would be willing to, uh, you know, not spend even more um, going into this season. That's not a thought that really crossed my mind. We know that they're not going to break the bank on anyone, but uh, that that I just shuddered a little bit thinking about them not spending at all <laughs> this season and and selling us the oh all of our all of our answers are in house. That's not going to cut it for me, Herb. What do you think about uh, whatever you could hear from uh, from uh, Joe in Plainfield, New Hampshire, where apparently. Uh, robots control uh, everything, uh, including your mind, soul, and body. What do you think about what Joe was saying there, the premise of uh, Jerry Reinsdorf uh, being a little cautious with the money as the outlook of who's going to be owning the team here is kind of uh, up in the air? I think that (laughs) – I'm going to say it, but then, like, we got – Last October, we're like, oh, there's no way they're going to hire somebody bad. And then, you know, it happened. (laughs) There's no way that this is going to happen. And then Jerry just took over. So let's say this. If Rick gets his chance, he will not sit on his hands. 
I think Rick sees the same things that you and I as White Sox fans and all of us who are listening out there see there's problems with the White Sox roster. And if it means going to throw money at it, so be it. Or a painful trade. I think most White Sox fans are saying, okay, I want to win a championship. I don't care about multiple championships. I care about one. Going to the playoffs and getting dismissed in the first round is old hat right now. We need something different. So we can't just continue throwing out the same guys out there and expecting a different result. It's not the definition and Sandy. Shut up, people <laughs> out there. Um, so I think if he's allowed to do his job, Rick Hahn will do his job to whatever um, standards he wants. I don't agree with all his moves, the Adam Eaton move, but I think overall Rick is a by far better negotiator, better uh, talent acquirer than I give him credit for or anybody gives him credit for. So mm. yeah, I think if he gets his druthers, he'll get the job done this offseason. So, Did- no, I have no thinking of maybe that 1% in the back of my mind where Jerry just like, fuck all you guys, bringing that same <laughs> shit back. Sorry, Tegna. Um, wow, do the robot overlords are they? Do they take control of you? Are you, are you throwing kudos to Rick Hahn here? What's going on on the show? I'm now a Hahn bot. <laughs> oh, that's right. The Hahn bots are out. Yes. Um, so you know that answers my question that I was going to ask you. If if you had faith in in Rick Hahn making an uncomfortable trade, a trade that makes White Sox fans. You know, go. Oh, I don't know how I feel about that. You, the the faith in you know, with with you're informed with what how the Kimbrel trade went down. If you had to have Rick, do you think maybe Rick would be a little you know gun shy here making another transaction because of the way that Kimbrel move worked out? So you have faith that Rick Hahn, if given the opportunity to make an uncomfortable trade, he will uh, pull the trigger and and get a favorable return. Yes, okay. I am have faith in Rick to do that. I hundred percent. I do too. I think all GMs like they have their good trades, their bad trades, and and this franchise here was built. I I would think on good trades, you mm-hmm. know the, the Chris Sale trade, the you know the Adam Eaton trade. By God, mm-hmm. you know so the, the, so Rick, the, yeah, Rick Hahn knows huge trade. Which one? Sorry, uh, Jose Quintana trade. Yeah, the the oh wait, yeah, the Quintana trade. Yeah, we gotta say it. Thanks, Cubs. So that th- this was built on acquiring other people's talent, the grooming and developing your own talent. Maybe not so much, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. You, you you acquire their players however you can acquire them, and they did, you know, uh, sign Luis Robert. So and you know they were able to bring him up through the system. So what well, hasn't all been bad on the player development front? But yeah, man, I, I have faith in him too, and I think as you know, sometimes you're due for a good one. You know, I think a little baseball karma, like you know, they're they're due for another good one to happen uh, with a willing partner. That's the thing about this, though. You know, a willing partner. It takes two to tango here. So hopefully, Rickon can find his dance partner here and make an uncomfortable trade. You know, we'll talk about this when we do the best of 2021. When we do the top 21 moments, they got some guys in in those highlights there that I'm going to ask you about later in the week and whether or not you'll think they'll be here. But uh, we'll save that for uh, later in the week. All right, another email here. Uh, this is Alex, of course, our guy at Sockside Irish 99. Happy Halloween, fellas. Uh, it's belated now, but when you sent it, it wasn't. We're recording this here for Tuesday's show. Uh, While well, you keep asking for prompts and questions, so me and my fellow Sox fans are happy to deliver. Yes, that's right. As a response to Chris about the plight of the Philadelphia Phillies, I have come up with an offseason plan and would love to hear your thoughts on it. All right, you ready, Herb, for Sockside Irish? Sockside Irish, uh, his offseason plan. Does Bandai suck on me? Exactly right. Uh, number one, 
trade Craig Kimbrell, Gavin Sheets, and a Birmingham Barons player of Philly's choosing in exchange mm-hmm. for Bryce Harper. Mm, okay. Yeah. I mean, are we supposed to react to these? <laughs> well, there's 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 ten of them here. Oh, so oh, so right. we'll, we'll I will react to that one. Yeah. I mean, once you just got the BR and the Y out, <laughs> Philly already hung up. So yes, I yeah, I, great. I would love to do that. Um, but the phone is already hung up on. Yeah, and but you know, I, I don't think the Phillies are trying to get rid of Bryce Harper like they you know they, like they're not having problems like their their telephone bill is not disconnected is it I think that would be a situation where they're looking to you, you're not getting better by getting rid of Bryce Harper I, I don't believe if you're because nope. Philly's like keep in mind folks that NL East are all jumbled up there right there and now with the Braves all those GMs are going to be feeling the heat there in the NL East like oh look at the Braves with a, a pretty solid team that got better at the deadline they got themselves in the World Series. Anything can happen. So you're going to have a lot of teams that are going to look to make moves. And teams that usually spend, the Mets, the Phillies, you know, uh, the Nats usually spend a little bit. Like, there's going to be competition there. And I don't think they're going to be in a position to trade Bryce Harper. And I don't think the Sox are going to be willing to take on that salary. It just doesn't make sense from a baseball perspective. Yeah, but if you're asking if I'd love Bryce Harper, yeah. Yeah. Don't yeah, stop! Stop, stop listening to the show if if you don't want Bryce Harper, and if that's all it's going to take, uh, <laughs> you know. So uh, I I hear you. I just don't see how that one makes sense. Sorry, as we were really really uh, struggling here out of the gate, Sockside Irish ninety nine. But I appreciate you. Uh, bullet point number two, idea number two: Sox sign Jose Iglesias for two years, million and a half million dollar deal with a third year and a million dollar option. Okay, that's far less flashy and less complicated than uh, bullet point number one. But yeah, we talked about Jose Iglesias on the show. We're we're all for that. He had a bit of a down year defensively, but we've seen enough of him where we believe he's a good player. Right? That's a good good move. Yeah, really good move. And yeah. if you can get him for that cheap, hell yeah. Yeah, and that's if that's the floor of your roster, that's pretty damn good. Uh, number three, sign Clayton Kershaw. I mean, that is a typical White Sox signing, signing a guy that's past his prime. Still good. And I'm not saying Clayton, you can just throw him out uh, right now, but it's kind of like when we signed um, Dallas Keuchel. Not to that level, yeah. but a guy that had some former glory and coming to the White Sox for a cheaper than he should be. So I don't necessarily want Clayton Kershaw. And I think we've already discussed our starting rotation, unless we're getting a top of the rotation guy, which I don't think Clayton Kershaw is at this time in his career, I don't want any new additions because the the new ones we're going to already put in there are already you know kind of young, and we need to get them established as the fourth or fifth starters if we're going to go with uh, Michael Kopech and Garrett Crochet, or we're going to go with Raylo and Michael Kopech, wherever we're going to go. We need to give those guys some actual innings. So I don't want to have a guy like Clayton taking up all those extra uh, innings that could be going to one of our youngsters. Yeah, Clayton Kershaw in 2021 had an ERA of 3.55. He was a two and a half win player. Uh, he's going to be 34 on opening day next season. And boy, if you Sox fans were irritated uh, by certain players and their postseason track record. Uh, where do you get a little Clayton Kershaw? And I don't believe in, in those narratives or whatever, but imagine signing Clayton Kershaw and him starting a, a game of the postseason for you and then just 
stinking. <laughs> like it would be the most Sox thing ever, as you said, getting the guy past his prime. Uh, but you know, he's he's younger than some guys like Verlander and other guys, Scherzer that we talked about. But uh, yeah, it would not it would not be high on my, on my priority list signing Clayton Kershaw. Number four, pray. Oh no! Whenever you start your plan with pray, it's not good. Pray that twenty twenty one was a fluke and hope Dallas can unfuck himself in 2022 that's two f-bombs in this episode sorry tegna um yeah the dallas keichel thing in 2022 i think there's still hope for dallas what do you what do you think we, we talked about this i think last week that's the thing about you you hear you know the white Sox locked on white Sox drinking game when you hear us say we talked about this before or last week yeah take a shot and hope you don't die of alcohol poisoning because we do touch on this stuff a lot all the time <laughs> yeah um i've got hope for dallas keichel in 2022 not that he can become the guy that we saw in 2020 but maybe not be as bad as the guy in 2021 what do you think about dallas's outlook here in 2022 when i was just talking about with keichel i mean with um um michael kopech and Garrett crochet those guys as we saw with uh, Carlos Rodon and other pitchers will get tired at the end of the year. So my thing is to have Keiko on the team still, if you don't find a trade partner, give him spot starts. So one of the starts is by Michael Kopech. And then the next start, maybe he's getting replaced or he's getting pushed back by one because Dallas Keiko's like the in-between starter, giving him some length. So you skip, uh, Michael Kopech start and you push him back a couple or you do that for Garrett Crochet. You don't do this all the time with Keiko. Just when you decide like, okay, Kopech's pitched a certain amount of innings. What we want to get to is this number. He's going way too much. So Dallas Keiko start right now type of thing. You uh, like break in case of emergency type of guy. I don't want him to be planned as the fourth or fifth starter next year. That means the White Sox are going to have a problem at the back end of their rotation. As a guy that has seldom starts coming in as a spot starter, maybe a long reliever if a bad start was out there, I'm fine with it. It's a sunk cost anyways. Either release him, trade him, or play him the way that's going to help your team the most. He's already paid for. Don't worry about anything else. Yeah, I, I agree. I think maybe he's still salvageable. I like your plan, uh, but I think maybe in the in the vein of the Braves, you know, changing the way they think about shifting in the middle of a homestand. I, I mentioned it last week also, Drink. Yep. You know, uh, just experimenting in the spring maybe and see if you get better results from Dallas Keuchel when you, when you do a little more advanced shifting and see if that makes a difference. And maybe those uh, balls don't find as many holes this year. And granted, his, the, the fastball was not – pinpoint accurate as it was in 2020 for him last season that was a big part of it when you miss with the fastball you're going to get hit hard uh, but whenever he did locate and get the pitch that he wanted to execute it seemed like those balls were always fine in holes so that, believe it or not you can plan for those things and hopefully the Sox will change their way of thinking on that because that's the only shot they've got of, of salvaging uh, Dallas Keuchel for the remainder of his Sox career or you know like you said just uh, just cut him you know that's the, the price of doing business every team's got a bad contract they're trying to get away from that's uh, the uh, price of playing poker here at the major league level when you're trying to win a World Series. Uh, there's more here from Sockside Irish. Alex suggests extend Jose Abreu. Uh, God. I mean, yeah, but no. I don't Dep- know. Depend, depends on Vaughn, right? What do you end up doing with Vaughn? Yeah. I, in 
Mm. <laughs> like he didn't have a great year. I mean, he had a good year, not a great year coming off the MVP. You thought he would still like be in his prime. He wasn't as good as one was in 2020. I know it's a shorter season and you, the MVP was kind of questionable because of the short season, but he wasn't as good. I don't just like giving money out to him just because he's one of the best White Sox of all time. What's he going to do going forward? If you could tell me that Jose is going to be maybe a fraction of what he was at his apex, I'll take that. But if he's going to fall off the table, man, that's a valuable spot that we could have a lot of people playing. Gavin Sheets, we could have Andrew Vaughn, we could have Yasmani Grandal do these uh, do the uh, position at first base. Tell me he's going to be three-fourths of the guy that he was or more, I'm in. If he's going to be below that, got to move on. Yeah, I'm not worried about Jose Abreu, you know, where he finishes his career. We know he wants to stay here for cheap, you know, but sooner or later you're going to get burnt. He will fall off the table, I think, unless he's just one of these guys like, you know, Gurriel just doesn't stop hitting. Gurriel's up for the gold glove here this season, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, could be, you know, but I don't think his game is going to age that well, especially defensively. But guy never stops hitting, and hopefully he rebounds and has a little bit better season in 2022. Uh, also extend Tim Anderson. I should point out, Herb, that Tim Anderson is basically already extended. Now, if you're talking about ripping up that contract and giving him more paper because he deserves it, yeah, but that's not how baseball or business works, to be, to be honest with you. Tim Anderson is signed through 2024, so you don't have to worry about extending T.A. just yet. He's going to get a bit of a bump. Next season, he's going to make nine and a half million, and then in 2023, he's going to make twelve and a half million. In 2024, he's going to make fourteen million, and then he's a free agent in 2025. So, I think that is already taken care of. Um, you know, it, maybe that's a situation where you win a World Series and TATA is your MVP, then you can rip up that contract. But it just doesn't happen a lot in baseball. So, I think we're in agreement there. That's not uh, moving the needle much for the White Sox or us. Um, right. Next one: extend Lucas Giolito. Lucas Giolito, 2018. You know about Lucas Giolito in 2018, don't you, Herbie? No, I don't. don't Where you? was he? Lucas Giolito, worst pitcher in baseball. That was in 2018. Oh. I edited that. That's 2018. That's not fair. We haven't talked about this in a while, I, I will say. Lucas Giolito and extending him. Now, this is going to be a big season for Lucas Giolito in 2022. I think he finished the season strong enough where you, you may want – some stability there and you may want to lock him in for a while because I will say this about the lad he takes that ball every five days you know and he's not one of these guys that he's that you have to worry about spending significant time on the IL Tommy John is way in the past um so I would not be opposed to giving Lucas Giolito a, a, a contract extension for market value um you know he may want to bet on himself and he's certainly to right to do so, but I, I would be in favor of that. If you can get cost certainty, we all know that the teams are only making more and more money every year, but if you can lock Lucas in for a, a solid market value deal so you don't have to worry about it, he is arbitration eligible for the third time in 2023, and he's an unrestricted free agent in 2024. So you have two more full seasons of Lucas Giolito. Uh, are you content to just let it play out, Herbie, or would you like to lock him in before that so he's a White Sox uh, at least, you know, for the bulk of his career. With Lucas and any pitcher, I would always look to lock them up if you're seeing some stability after a while. Um, and they should be more willing to listen to a person who's 
saying, hey, we want to give you some long-term money as opposed to a uh, everyday position player because the volatility involved with being a pitcher, the injury risk right there. Lucas already knows as a high school kid uh, having Tommy John surgery. So I don't know if they've came to him. They probably went to him after 2020 and said, hey, man, what's what's going on with you? Would you want to settle for some money? And he probably has said no all the time to the overtures. I would find a way to overpay for Lucas Giolito if I'm trying to get some of those RB years because you just said it. The last two RB years are coming up right now, 2022-2023. So let's eat those up so you know you're going to be spending more money than just a regular uh, player under your control. Eat those up and then take like two or three of those free agent years and make it worth his while. This past year, you only what signed for four million dollars. I'm seeing probably in 2022 will make like ten to twelve. Make make it worth his while. What is a pitcher of his ilk going for now? Like if he was coming into his own, you're giving Lance Lynn about twenty. How about you bump that up to twenty five a year? Straight hundred million dollar deal. Oof. Yeah, that's uh, who that you know. It's not my money, so I would do it. But yeah, but yeah, I just think I hope the White Sox are not. We know they've signed pitchers before, but I'm thinking about young pitchers, right? And guys that aren't necessarily proven commodities it, with a huge track record. I wonder if they're still a little gun shy about what happened with the uh, with John Danks. What about Danks? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, but you know, after they gave gave John Danks that that contract extension. Uh, he never lived up to that, and he got hurt. And I wonder if they're a little uh, gun shy with doing that. But yeah, I, I, you know, I would maybe not go twenty five. I would, I would, I would offer him twenty and see where it goes. You still have some some wiggle room here. Like you know, you, you'd want to get to him before twenty twenty three and buy out that that final arbitration year. So yeah, I, I would, I'd be uh, in the market for that. Uh, maybe not at that price, but yeah, I, I like having a guy who you know what he's going to be. And I think at this point. In Lucas Gilo's career, you know what he's going to be. You, you've seen the highs, you've seen the lows, and, you, and more importantly, you've seen what the middle looks like. And I think 2021 was largely a case of what uh, the, the middle is going to look like. So uh, I, I'm for that. If you can lock that in, and it, it allows you to know what you're working with with the rest of your ball club. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in favor of that. And as we get to uh, further down Alex's list here, uh, it's becoming basically satire towards the end of the list, but there is one more point here uh, before we, he makes a joke out of it. Uh, number six is move Tapera to the right-handed setup role uh, when you replace Craig Kimbrell. Now, you'd have to sign Ryan Tapera. He's not under team control any longer, but uh, I, you know me. I, I love uh, my guy. Tempura. I would love to see him back. Uh, that guy was the balls out there, and uh, he, he talked shit against the Astros, and he went out there and backed it up. I need guys like that at the back of my bullpen, but uh, I don't know if they're going to be in the market to uh, pay uh, bullpen guys, especially guys that uh, you've already had in, in your in your house, right? So I don't know how that's going to shake out, but I think we're both in agreement. We'd love to see Ryan Tapera back. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. He was only making what a eight hundred thousand after he got a non-tender by the Cubs. They re-signed him and had an awesome year. Go and get paid, brother. If it's not from the White Sox, yeah, man. So be it. Go and get paid. Uh, and then seven to ten is uh, just kind of satire to fill to Paris former role. How about Jimmy Cordero rolled up sleeve revenge tour? 
Number eight, wake up from the obvious Goose Island cause dream you just had. Number nine, watch Jerry force Han at gunpoint to re-sign Daniel Palka. And number 10, cry. I would love to hear your thoughts on one to seven. Hope you guys had a great day. All right, so because as I'm reading this here, uh, you know, I thought maybe that this was all one big joke because some of these moves were so far off base than what we would do. Uh, but apparently it was just the final three or four bullet points were a joke. But yeah, Alex, we appreciate you checking in. Um, we love Alex checked in before you know one of our great contributors but i'm glad he's not uh, running our front office her what do you think <laughs> yeah i mean i mean i love him he tries to get white Sox favorable deals that's good <laughs> well, <I'm>, yeah. <laughs> i mean he's like hey take this garbage in. can we get that goodness i'd like where your head's at alex go ahead take some more of your phone calls next after a quick timeout on lockdown white Sox. all right one more phone call before we get up out of here from the 623 hey chris and herb Oh. Calling about uh, tonight's game. What's your name, Mark from Litchfield Park? Astros and Braves. Uh, pulling for the Braves because I've had enough of the smarmy Houston Astros and their pseudo um, redemption story, I yeah. guess. Yep. I, I don't know what this is, but I'm hoping they lose. Um, I'm sick of them. No contrition from them. No remorse. And the whole team is full of rats. The whole fucking team. Nothing but rats. Rats. All of them. Yeah, no one ever talks about them snitching out everybody. So I hope they lose, and I hope they lose badly. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Mark, from Litchfield Park. Uh, much appreciated. I got bad news. Uh uh, we're, we're giving, that's right, folks. We're about to give a score update from a game that occurred Sunday, and you're listening to this on Tuesday. <laughs> but as, <laughs> as, as no duh, you dicks. As, as we tape this now, the Astros came roaring back in the fifth inning against the Braves, and they put up a three spot. Astros up seven to five over the Braves. So I don't know. Uh, Mark called way before uh, the that, that uh, scoring change occurred, but not looking good right now. And maybe by the time you're listening to this, maybe we'll have some resolution. But yeah, I agree with Mark. I, I just, I'll never forget. That Tom Rinaldi did a piece in the ALCS about baseball needing a villain and the Astros were the perfect villain, and that was just really gross. And, and I think we're all in agreement there with Mark and Litchfield Park. He is our spirit animal. I love a good, good, a good, good fellas reference on a Tuesday morning here. And by the way, um, I know we both are lockstep with Mark on the Astros thing. Uh, I've been listening. You speaking of, of quote unquote rats and the mob and, and, and things of that nature. I've been listening to this uh, great new podcast, Herb. Um, Sammy the Bull Gravano. Do you know? Do you remember who that is? Yeah, he's a mob guy. Yeah, he's a he's the <laughs> one of the uh, enforcers. He was the uh, the the consigliere uh, of the Gambino crime family under John Gotti in the John Gotti days, and he uh, testified against John Gotti and put John Gotti behind bars. Fucking rat, huh? Well, yeah, that's uh, he was. That's what he was known for for a lot of years, and he did. I think like a 20 year bid or something. And he was recently out of prison. And of course he's got a podcast. <laughs> Is the same he hasn't died yet. No, no guys, guys wow. in good shape. He's came out from, uh, from jail, all uh, yoked up. He's in good shape. Uh, it's, uh, the Sammy, the bull Gravano podcast. It's called, uh, our thing. And it's just, it's really well produced. Like the, the first couple episodes are really well produced. It's from a, a, a sonic standpoint, uh, where you know I, I look at things from a pr producer's lens, and they're just really good. And it's just one guy telling his story, 
about how he grew up in New York and and how you know he 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 peels back the curtain and, and reveals like what what a, a making ceremony is and how he got made and he talks about how he orchestrated one of the biggest mob hits in in history when when they took out the boss of the Gambino family Paul Castellano and what that hit was like outside of Spark Steakhouse in the 80s he's he's telling all these stories about all of it and it's I went through two seasons of it in short order our guy Jason Goff told me about it so it's just great I put it on like when I'm about to go to sleep I put it on when I'm going for a walk listen to it in the car when I need to decompress from sports radio it's really entertaining shit I know it's not your thing I don't know if you're are you a big podcast guy other than taping and recording them five times a week with me are you like do you listen to another podcast besides this one when you're doing it of course uh mondays when i go to work i listen to the full go with jason goff oh yeah and then i don't it's not necessarily a podcast but when you're talking about the sammy the bull gravano thing gravano right yeah gravano yeah um i watch on youtube michael francis yes Sammy, Sammy, the Sammy, the bull, not a fan. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like uh, Michael Francis, like he's a f- former wise guy that I think now lives in L.A. He does like these TED talks and things like that. Goes around giving motivational speech speeches, turned his life over to God, blah, blah, blah. But his YouTube channel is very exciting. He interviews different wise guys, either wise guys or people who played wise guys in movies. And very, very interesting. And knowing he was in the life his whole life and then comes out on the other side and makes money by talking about the life, which I always think is like weird. Like, why isn't he dead? Like, I thought the mafia was still a thing. And this man is living it up, talking about all their secrets. The same thing with uh, Henry Hill. After he got out of witness protection, all he could do was he was on Howard run Stern. his mouth. Yeah, he's yeah. on Howard Stern all the time. Um, it's kind of wild. Like, I guess, it could, I, don't know, I don't know if it just goes to show you that the mafia is all but dead or in hiding. But yeah, like, you know, more power to these guys if they can find themselves on the other side of it and make a little money and tell stories. Because they they've got great stories. I mean, mm-hmm. the Sammy the Bull podcast is just him talking for like you know 30 minutes of crack talking about how he grew up weaving in and out of stories from you know and you know using uh you know the, the producer to you know weave in and out from time and place and and sort of put a paint a picture of why this guy did what he did and we never really get to the why yet at the end of season two but i think it's coming but you, you, but they're, what they're doing is is they're painting a picture of why someone like that would go against everything that he's ever known and everything he ever lived for and put someone behind bars. And so I'm looking forward to that in season three. Um, but yeah, you can go on YouTube here and see Sam and Gravano calls Michael Francis uh, a liar and a rat. So um, I guess there's a, a, an, an interview, a sit down they had with each other. Um, oh, mafia. Yeah, like, okay. I might have to watch this. Uh, so Fran- yeah. On Francis's channel? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He has a lot of sit downs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, they have a sit down. So I really enjoy it. So that's we've really gone uh, gone off the rails here. But the, <laughs> it was Mark and uh, Litchfield Park's uh, uh, phone call got me thinking about that. That's what I've been enjoying this offseason. It's just captivating stuff. He's a great storyteller and he remembers this shit so vividly. Talking about specific kits or some funny anecdotes or how he grew up and his values and shit like that. It's it's really good stuff. So I recommend it. It's, again, it's Sammy the Bull Gravano. Uh, Our Thing is the name of the podcast. So if you're looking for something fun, uh, real fun, talking about mob hits. But I'm fascinated by that stuff. So that's what I've been listening to. So, boy, we really went, went off on a, on a tangent there. But uh that's it. That's, that's what the mafia does for us. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, the, the beauty of the off season here. We talked about Lou Bob's car yesterday. Now we talk a little uh, mob stuff here. So that's all I got today, Herbie. 
That is Chris Tannehill. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Tannehill. Me, Herb Lawrence, is at Eknerwall23. That is E-C-N-E-R-W-A-L-2-3, as Lawrence spelled backwards. And our show is at Locked On Socks on Twitter and Instagram. And thank you for making Locked On Socks your first listen every day. Locked On Socks is free and available as you are listening currently on a podcast. Uh, on one of the pages on the podcast, it's available on all of them, including YouTube at Locked On Socks. 312-566-8727 for voice messages. Locked on Socks at Gmail for your emails. So for Chris, I'm Herb. Thanks for listening to Locked on Socks.